God, thank you so much for your word. I do thank you. It is trustworthy and true, and we love you, and we praise you, and we honor you for it. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd open up our hearts and our minds today as we read your word, that we might receive everything you have for us. For we love you, and we honor you, and we praise you, and we thank you for everything. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Peter's writing here and he says, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord uh, and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it, on it will be exposed. May God bless to us this reading of his holy word. Uh, recently, a, a great uh, biblical scholar, a theologian named Thomas Oden passed away. Uh, it's about a year or so ago. And uh, he influenced a generation of young men and young women uh, studying in the ministry. And somebody asked him uh, sometime before his death, they asked him what he would like to have written on his epitaph, on, on his tombstone. And he said, he paused for a moment, and he said, I want them to write, he added nothing new to theology. He added nothing new to theology. Now, one of the big dangers, I think, that we have, and it follows on from what we've been talking about the last few weeks about false prophets and false teachers, is we have a lot of people, and, and I can't help but turn on the radio or the TV or pick up a book and, and read somebody saying something like, well, this is a brand new revelation, or this is a brand new insight from the Lord, uh, or this is something that, that nobody's ever thought before, and on and on and on. And one of the things that I have learned through years of study is that there's, as Solomon says, there's really nothing new under heaven. The things that people think are new, if you go back one, two, three, four hundred years, you will find writers writing the very same thing. Maybe from a slightly different angle, from a slightly different standpoint, but actually there really is no new revelation since the canon of scripture, since the Bible was written. And so Peter, he's very, aware, uh, very much aware of this, 
when he's writing, and he says, you know, people, my, my purpose here is not to give you some really big new teaching. You know, Peter here, he's at the end of his life. He says, you know, I, I'm not here to, to give you the latest revelation that I've received from the Lord about this, that, or the other thing. He says, you know what I'm doing here is just trying to stir up your minds by way of reminder. He wants to stir up our minds by way of reminder so that we're thinking certain things, we're thinking biblically, we're thinking like Christians, we're thinking on the basis of everything that God has said. He's stirring us up by reminding us of the truth that he taught, that other apostles and prophets taught, that the scriptures have taught, that the Lord has revealed throughout all of history. And there's always a problem, I think, with Peter, according to Peter, there's always a problem when people forget what has gone before. There's always a problem when people fail to remember what God has said and how God has revealed himself and how God has dealt with people throughout all history because God doesn't change. People, we change, and sometimes we need some fresh perspectives uh, 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 or some fresh angles on old truth but at the same time, it's still the truth that has been there and that has existed not only for all of humanity, but even all of eternity. And so Peter is saying here, especially in this text, that if we fail to forget what's gone before, or we fail to stir up our minds to remember, then oftentimes it's very easy for us to wander astray. And so that's what he wants to do here, particularly in this last chapter, he's trying to stir up our minds by way of reminder so that we might live in a certain way as we approach the end of all things. And so that's certainly what Peter is doing today. And when he says this, he says, now today I want to tell you, I want to stir up your minds by way of reminder in four different areas. The only, there's only one place that that he starts out uh, uh, knowing, first of all, verse 3, knowing this first of all. Uh, there's only one place where he says first, so he's, he's not like a good, good sermon, uh, a good preacher, you know, numbering his points here so we can follow everything carefully. But we really find four things here in this text that we read today that Peter is doing to stir us up by way of reminder. The first thing is he reminds us that scoffers are going to come. Now, what are scoffers? Scoffers are people who make fun of Christianity. They make fun of the faith. They try to poke holes in Christianity. They try to create doubt. They try to undermine the belief of people uh, by raising up questions. They're the kind of people that would say, well, can God do anything? And you say, yes. And then you, you say, well, then can God make a rock so big that he himself can't move it? Uh, and, it's, and it's actually trying to get you into some kind of philosophical uh, round robin where you're always going to lose, you're always going to fall, you're always going to come out not on top, uh, or come back in some way, shape, or form. That's what scoffers do, and our world is filled with scoffers. We've got scoffers outside the church. We've got uh, those that you know, are the new atheists and, and, and so on and so forth. But you know, there's also people who are scoffers that are inside Christianity. Some of them are these false prophets and false teachers. Uh, some of them are 
sometimes well-meaning uh, university professors that have bought into some liberal ideology that doubts the scriptures and, and questions our faith. But we are surrounded by scoffers. And it's very easy for us in the face of all these scoffers to begin to back away from our faith, to think, well, maybe if I'm a Christian, I should keep it private. I shouldn't really expose it to people. Uh, or I shouldn't really live out my faith. After all, our faith is a private matter. These scoffers kind of cause us to withdraw in ourselves, but the real genius of what Peter has just done here is to remind us that the presence of scoffers proves the Bible. It doesn't disprove the Bible. Peter is telling us here that in the last days, the number of scoffers are going to increase. The number of people who refuse to believe, the number of people who make up arguments to undermine belief, the number of people uh, who will, will try to find something to discredit Christianity, that number is going to increase toward the end of time. So instead of discouraging us, the presence of scoffers should encourage us. And that's an amazing thing that Peter does for us. That's the first thing he wants to stir up with. The second thing, and we're going to look at this a little bit more next week when we look at the text next week. The second thing is to remind us that this world is temporary. God never designed this universe, this world, for permanence. We know that. We know that from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what existed in the heavens? The stars existed in the heavens. And we know from the very first moment of the existence of stars, they were burning out. Stars were never designed by God to burn eternally. Stars were always designed to burn out. And so often what happens with scoffers, the thing that they forget, many scoffers, they think that the world is permanent but they forget that it's not. They think that the world can go on forever, but they forget that it can't. And scientists know that. And scientists who don't want to deal with the implications of that, because if the world, the universe had a beginning, then it had a beginner, right? And what's going to happen at the end of the universe? So, so, so scientists who want to scoff, who want to deal with that, they create ideas such as a multiverse so that there are multiple universes existing side by side. And that sounds really great, except you can't prove it. You can't prove the existence of a multiverse any more than you can prove the existence of God. In fact, there's more evidence for the existence of God than there would be for a multiverse. And so Peter says, you guys got to remember that the reason why these scoffers go on is they forget the fact that one, the, the world was created by God and that in the beginning it was formless and void and then what God did, he created the earth, that is the, not the, the earth as in the planet, but the earth as in the ground that we stand on, that emerged out of the water and the scientists know that that actually happened. So the, the earth emerged out of the waters and we forget the fact that the God who did all of this is the same God who brought the flood, who destroyed the world as it then existed uh, with that, that deluge. So this universe that we're in, this world that we're in, is temporary. It was never intended to be permanent. And the God that created it is the same God that one day is going to destroy it all. 
You get some people who think that we're going to live on forever on this planet, but that's not the witness of the Bible. It's certainly not the witness of Peter here in 2 Peter chapter 3. He's saying that this very same earth that we stand on right now, the heavens that we see above us, that the day is going to come when God completely destroys it. Now, if you want to know what's going to happen next week, and if you want to know all about this heaven stuff and all of that, next week we're going to deal with that, and we're going to see what Peter has to say about it. But for now, he's reminding us that in the day of judgment, when God deals finally and fully with all evil, he's going to destroy this whole universe. He's going to destroy everything that we see and do something else. It's not going to perpetuate forever. And then the third thing he wants to remind us, because it's very easy for us to say, okay, when is it going to happen? I mean, frankly, I'm looking at the TV and I'm seeing all of the, the, the vile things that are happening. Human trafficking, child, organized child abuse, uh, bombing of children, um, young women self-harming, and on and on and on, you know, and I, I look at this sometimes, and everything in me just wants to say, I'm done with this. You know, God, take me home. Or I look and, you know, we've been praying here uh, very intently since 2009. We've been praying for revival. And we believe there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We believe that it's going to come. And it's very easy that you, you pray on this and you pray and you pray and you pray and you're praying for years and it doesn't happen. And it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to want to give up. And so Peter is reminding us, kind of a twofold reminder here, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. And with, the day, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. I don't think Peter meant that literally, by the way. And because God is timeless, I think he's given us an example there with a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. Uh, but that does mean, by the way, if you happen to be praying to the Lord and you're crying out and saying, God, you know, please do this. And God says, hey, I'll be with you in a minute. That's about six months. So just so you understand the, the time frame you're dealing with, that that was a, a literal kind of thing. And, and so we, we wonder why it's not happening. We wonder why the Lord hasn't come back. We wonder why these things aren't going on. And Peter is saying here, you know, God looks at this differently than we do. And you have to realize that as God looks at this, God has agendas that we don't fully understand. We don't fully know. God has timing that we can't fully embrace from our limited perspective. For example, Peter says, for example... The Lord doesn't want anybody to be judged. The Lord doesn't want anybody to be condemned. The Lord wishes that everyone would be saved, that everyone would reach repentance. That's his desire. And so if the Lord is holding back, if the Lord is delaying, it's only delaying out of his longing for all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now we know that all people don't. But the Lord, our God, he longs for people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so we need to understand that his timing is going to be different and we won't always see and he won't always tell us the reasons behind what he's doing and why he is doing it. But we need to remember that the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise as we might understand slowness. 
He is going to fulfill everything he says. And then the fourth thing he's reminding us in this passage is even so, even in spite of the fact that it might seem like it takes a long time, that these scoffers are there, that the heaven and earth, that that they will be destroyed in the judgment, even so understand that the day of the Lord, according to Peter, will come like a thief. Now by the day of the Lord, uh, sometimes people think that that means a literal 24-hour day when Jesus shows up. But that's not the consistent witness of the scriptures. If we had time to walk through, we could look in, and I would, this is a great study for you, to, to go up, get a, a concordance or an online Bible program, and look up this phrase, day of the Lord, throughout the scriptures, and that will give you some insight. The day of the Lord is always a season. And we think the biblical revelation is that day of the Lord is going to be that, uh, that last three and a half or that last seven year period before Jesus comes. And Jesus is saying that that day of the Lord, that period, the beginning of that period is going to come like a thief. It's going to come suddenly. You're not going to expect it. You're not going to really be thinking that it's coming and all of a sudden it's going to be there. And so you need to be ready. You need to be prepared for that day of the Lord when that comes Because if you're not ready when that day of the Lord comes, you won't be ready after it comes. It's a bit like uh, if you watch some of these scenes from some of the people that were caught up in Hurricane Michael in in Florida uh, a couple of weeks ago, that there were a number of people who had said that this came so suddenly that we weren't really ready. And some of the people were thankful just barely to have clung on to their lives. Those that, that knew that it could come, those that prepared themselves, even if they stayed behind, they always fared quite a bit better than those who were taken unaware. And the same is true for us as Christians. When the day of the Lord comes, you know, as Christians, we will all survive that day. But the question is, will you be ready for it? Or will this day of the Lord come like a hurricane and destroy everything you have except for your life itself? Or will you have been prepared and would you have prepared your family and your churches for this day of the Lord so that when it comes, you're ready to weather out this storm until we see the face of Jesus? And that's what Peter's reminding us. Be ready. Don't wait. Don't sit back. Keep, keep your minds on the fact that God is coming. No matter the scoffers, God, Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Be ready for that day. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for people like Peter who have told us what is coming, who have told us to be prepared. May we be prepared. May we be ready. May we know how to live in the lead up to that time so that in everything we might bring glory and honor to Jesus. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.